Hi, it's Adrian here, the host of Talk Design Podcast. I would like to welcome you to a special series that I've created with the AIA Austin chapter. This is for their homes tour, which will be held in October on the 22nd and the 23rd in Austin, Texas. This homes tour I've been to many times and it's a wonderful event. It's really well curated and incredible homes on it. And this year we've got homes from a bunch of Austin's best architects and some really exciting projects. I've had the pleasure of interviewing each of these architects about the project and about the nuances of the project. So when you get a chance to listen to these podcasts, you're really going to find out some special little tips and have like a tour from the architect through each of these homes. The other thing that the AIA Austin chapter has done is they've arranged for webinars with the architects who have homes on the tour. These will kick off on the 21st of the 9th, and then they will run through to the 12th of the 10th. If you look up the AIA Austin's home tours schedule, you will find these listed there. This would be something really special. In the meantime, what I would ask you to do is subscribe to the Talk Design podcast. You'll find us online at www.talkdesign.show and on every podcast platform that you care to listen on. If you can subscribe there and then go to the latest series, which will be the AIA Austin Homes Tour. So have a look for that and dig out some of your favorite architects. There's lots to learn. And then if you are going to make it to the tour in person, you will also learn a whole lot more about these homes by listening to what the architects have had to say. You'll also see on our website some amazing photography by Leonard Fomansky, who has done the photography for the tour this year. So thank you for listening, and I look forward to presenting each of these architects to you in this AIA Austin special series. Take care and enjoy. My guest on Talk Design is Jeff Duhan from Steinbomer Architects in Austin, Texas. And we're going to talk about the Bull Creek Residence, which is in Allendale, which is a home on the AIA Austin's Homes Tour this year. And Jeff, welcome to Talk Design. Thank you. So this is a beautiful looking home, man. It's uh, got all the mid-century modern keys to it, which I really love. Clearly, you're a fan of mid-century. Tell me a bit about that journey with the mid-century styling. Well, so I've always had appreciation for mid-century, not only just the, the aesthetic appeal, but also the visual and physical connections that it has to the outdoors. And so you see all these wonderful houses in California that have all these, you know, beautiful glass walls that you can see, uh, you know, and fill outdoor spaces and have access to those spaces through sliding doors, et cetera. Texas is a little different than California. And so you, we can't do such the glass blocks that uh, you see in California. So we have to provide a little more shading. So I brought that same concept, but protected the glass from the sun a bit more. It's interesting that, isn't it? Because certainly in um, Palm Springs, you know, which is kind of recognized as the home of, well, I don't know whether it's the home, but it's certainly the biggest cluster of mid-century modern architecture in one place. 
it's interesting. They do have a real desert atmosphere and everything else, but just those light angles and things, how they change and how Austin's climate has a lot more humidity in it and also has to deal with much more in the sense of uh, heavy rainfall, I think, than, I mean, in Palm Springs, there's hardly any rainfall. But uh, Austin, you know, when it does, it, it, it rains there. Yeah, we, we get, um, I guess, a bit of it all. We have lots of rain, um, hence the big overhangs where I'm protecting all my windows. Um, our outdoor spaces are best enjoyed with, with covered and, and fans and things like that. Yeah. So not quite the same as February in Palm Springs. No, and that's part of the challenge of taking a, I suppose, a genre of architecture and um, repositioning it. But what you've done here is really beautiful. Tell me more about like the study you did on mid-century and then also how you adapted a home, you know, like, like you're saying with the overhangs and with uh, shading your windows and pieces like that. Just different elements that people can, when they're walking through the house, will recognize and feel the mid-century styling of it, but where you had to take those very deliberate actions to change it. So, yeah, I, you know, classic materials that you would see in mid-century would be um, terrazzo flooring and brick, mm -hmm. lots of glass, mm -hmm. steel. Um, timber. So I, and stained wood, right, yeah. timber. Um, so, yeah, I took those materials and incorporated it in, into this design. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, like we, we mentioned, adding some... Um, additional like protections and covered spaces that you normally wouldn't see um, in the Palm Springs. Um, and so I also had to, you know, take this, these simple forms that you would see in classic um, uh, mid-century modern architecture, <laughs> but add in my twist of the skew because of this large protected tree. And so <laughs> it's almost... About to say um, they may not have had a protected tree that was in the middle of their lot. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> they had to work right. with. Yeah, so worked with that tree, and so I, you know, almost taking these simple forms that you would see in in uh, a classic fifties, and had to angle and skew the plans to uh, get around this. But the the tree became the focal point of the house, and. It became where I placed all the primary spaces to have view of a courtyard, if you will. Yeah. Of, you know, which tree is the, the center focus of this area. And so living, dining, kitchen, primary suite is all focusing on the center piece of the property. If anything, the tree gave you an absolute gift, you know, for people who are touring the home. As you uh, as you come into the home and you as it opens up to the back. Uh, you'll you'll know that the tree was the, the the nemesis. It was the piece that had to be had to be um, honored and retained. And then so taking it and what you've done with it, just wrapping the home around it, but with a beautiful the the angle that you took it down on, just opens up that backyard. You know, you could have kind of chopped and changed around the whole space, but it opens up the whole space to create that courtyard feel. Um, yeah, that was um, the idea to uh, um, a, a lot of houses that 
I guess it's a pet peeve or you see your challenges that, you know, the house is designed and the backyard space is the leftover, but this was almost quite the opposite of designing the, the outdoor spaces in conjunction with the house. And so preserving all this area that I can, it's not a huge lot, it's 0.25 acres. Right. And so preserving as much of the space that I, you can to um, enjoy having a pool and um, a little, you know, area for sitting out here. Off to the left here, I don't know if I have a, a photo. Yeah, here we go. Um, is a uh, little area, I guess a covered shaded area that we use in the summertime. Sure. Um, it's protected by the sun, but, you know, by the pool. But in the wintertime, this becomes our greenhouse. And these oh, fantastic. Places, so, fantastic. Um, yeah, and so that's a, our multi multi use space. There. So that's a really lovely point with it. You know, in the winter time, as it cools down, you actually have this greenhouse type space, um, which again, people will be touring this home. Let's hope that the weather's not forty. Well, when you say forty, not like closing in on a hundred for the homes tour, but also not closing in on thirty two. Um, <laughs> So yeah. it's really interesting. You know, I've been on the homes tour uh, seven times or something. And um, in those times I've had from, you know, it's cold to it's boiling hot, like, you know, like it's really on the other end of the scale. And each yeah. home has to react to that because that's what happens when you live in it. And a well-designed home is going to do that. But to have this space that you've just talked about here where it creates both you know, it's your outdoor sort of summer house, um, pool house type area. And then in the winter, it's your greenhouse effect. It's so it's lovely. Yeah, that's definitely the plan. I want to open up all these spaces, ho hoping for great weather. And so I want the backyard area to be just as much as part of the tour as the house itself. Sure, sure. Um, tell me with it, this home, we were discussing it just earlier. and. Uh, trying to get a high level of sustainability into the design. And, you know, truly, I think that every design should have a high level of sustainability, but that's just me. Um, tell me about the journey to that and how you solve problems, because these will be things that people coming through the home won't necessarily get to understand or appreciate uh, until they, they listen or they're told about it. Yeah, it was it was a high priority to um, it's a high priority for me to design houses that are sustainable for my clients, but even more for myself. Yeah, um, I wanted to use you know. Well, that's this, actually um, that's actually a good side note, Jed. For everybody listening, this is Jed's home. So if he didn't get it right here, he had to live with it. It wasn't somebody else having to live with it. He has to live with it. So it's um, right. <laughs> there's and, um. And it, I expect to be held to, you know, the highest standards as well for <laughs> my own house. Exactly. Exactly. No corner cutting in your own home. Um, yeah, um, it's great. So, yeah, I wanted a beautiful house, and but I also want to, you know, to take on my own responsibility, mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, with um, the house is fully electrified. I have uh, cut off any, you know, gas to the house. Um and it has very efficient systems in the house that um, um, heat pump water systems, variable speed, HVAC system, variable speed, uh, pool pump, all these things that can be scheduled and utilized 
to, to be uh, turned on during off-peak uh, or, or to avoid high-peak time, and, and especially in the summer in Texas when our grid gets uh, tested. Yeah. Um, and so with the efficient systems and then installing a, um, a, a solar panels on the upper roof that's intentionally all positioned and slope to the south, so I can get, uh, it's pretty close to net zero, at least projected to be net zero. That's awesome. That's really cool. And for people who are listening who don't understand net zero, that's worth Googling and having a little read on. Um, tell me, you put solar power on the home as well? So it's being currently installed right now. So um, we, I've lived in the house for a year um, the house it was fully wired and designed to have solar. I contacted the company to help me design the roof. And then after living in the house a year, we gave our utility bills to the solar installer to be used to uh, design the system to get close to the net zero as possible. And would you suggest that um, something that, you know, in every future house that you did, uh, would you wait the year or is there enough information that uh, you can um, it, take a really good shot at it? Yeah, it's certainly a good benefit to, to, to wait and that um, any power you generate over the amount you use, this, you, the city just takes it. Yeah, and that's, so that's the feeding the grid. To, right. So the goal is to get, you know, for your best value or return on investment is to get to that, you know, that net zero. And so um, it was a, a, a big benefit to wait for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. It's um, in any home uh, that's new and being built now, um, you know, we have a responsibility to, I suppose, get it as close to net zero as possible and even um, to the positive effect of if we can supply power to the grid. Uh, yeah. And it, it, it's, it, it feeds oh, the person next door or the older house that doesn't have the same benefits. I mean, Texas has done it. I think sustainability in general is confusing to a lot of people um, and just the amount of information out there and what responsibilities we're supposed to take on. But you know, I drive home the point is like, it's all about carbon and fossil fuels, like focus on that. Always like that's the top priority for all our houses and our cars. The Texas um, electrical grid is doing pretty well with, we have a lot of wind um, generators and solar generators. I think we're up to 23% wind generation and it increases by one to 2% each year. And so the more we can electrify our houses and install these systems, that are, have variable speeds and can take the pressure off the grid at peak times, then we can start to reduce the coal um, and the gas generation um, and make it easier for our Texas officials just to eliminate the, any fossil fuels in the environment. Yeah, yeah, which th that in, a, in itself means that we have a healthier air quality uh, just even from the mining of those things um, and the generation of them at just, it improves the world or the world, the neighborhoods, the, the general environment everywhere because you're not burning fossil fuels and sticking them in the air. I mean, I live in Australia and we're horribly dirty when it comes to burning coal. And uh, again, a responsibility that everybody designing needs to take is, is to 
bring it down as fast as possible. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I was get, I wanted to ask you about um, this beautiful feature that you have in the home, which is this big kind of curtain wall of breeze block. And we know it isn't breeze block, but I'll get you to explain that it is, what it is and how you did it. But the idea behind it, what it does, how it protects the home, and I suppose the, I was going to say the challenges of it, because uh, it, it's a tricky thing that you managed to achieve, and it does something really special to the ambience of the home. So, yeah, you come in with see this type of detailing um, in a mid-century home, and I've always been a fan of seeing this type of brick detailing. It's often used in a outdoor space or disconnected from the condition space of a house. Um, my challenge was creating this, uh, what you know, I refer to a, a breeze block, but breeze block is technically a concrete block that is formed with the voids in it. Um, this is voided bricks of solid bricks with just removing the pieces to create a visual screen uh, yep. to the house. And so the challenge was getting it against glazing, against windows, um, detailing <laughs> it both for waterproofing and with windows that usually casement windows open outward. So these have to open inside. Um, and so this is a 15 foot tall single unit of window casements that open inside so when it comes time to clean them or just operate them um, yeah so you can open them and allow the breeze block to operate like how it would have originally and as you said it's usually used in courtyard walls and things like that but it's the idea is is it gives you security as well as <clears throat> separation as well as privacy and as well as airflow so it, it does a whole lot of things but to stick it hard up against the house and make it a, a part of the wall that forms the house, then you've got another combination of problems with your casement windows, like you say, just the cleaning of them, let alone being able to open them and let air run from one side of the house to the other. I think it's yeah, a great solution. I, I had many contractors just look at me <laughs> and like, you want to you do what with this? And so um, I even was attempted or to talk me out of it a couple of times, but I, I fought for the detail. <laughs> you held on solid. tight. Yeah, I held on tight. <laughs> I think we call it here, we call it hit and miss brickwork. And uh, one of the biggest challenges that we've had doing it is um, the fact that the engineers, uh, it's a non-structural wall that has to basically be there, uh, but it can't actually carry any structural weight. And then you did you say you made it 15 feet high? Yeah, so that's 15 yeah. feet high. And then uh, my challenge here is that there's no brick ties back to the wall. And so to support it laterally, um, I had to conceal some steel bars in, in the, the system itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, a fun, it's a fun detail. So tell me, in living in the home, what's it like having that, um, that wall and you know, what does it do to the feel of the home? And how, how do, you, do you often have the windows open? Tell me how it operates and how you'd expect to see it on tour day. Yeah, so, you know, it's 
trying to get as much glass and natural light as possible in the house. You, you know, this is the front of the house. And so a lot of the glazing is up against the ceilings, which lets the light, you know, reflect mm -hmm. off the ceiling and, and enter the house. Um, and so it has a lot of glass, but it also has a lot of privacy. And so using this, you know, this type of detail of the, the voided brick, or what do you refer to it as? Hit and miss. Hit and miss. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is my dining space behind here. And so you can comfortably sit there and you can have visual connections to outside, but not feel like you're in a fishbowl with people, you know, watching you eat your dinner. Yeah. Um, right. And so, and then on, you know, nice days that we have, we can open up these, uh, big casement windows and open up the patio doors in the back and just let the air flow through the house and move around. Yeah. I love that. I think that's such a, a beautiful thing. It's something that, um, funnily enough, like as I say, I've been on the home store, I think seven times, and coming from Australia where I do, uh, we, we tend to build with a lot of open spaces, so we want air to run through the house. And we still air condition, but we're very focused on being able to basically the house blend it with the garden and so I had a real affinity when talking to you about this home because you've done that at the back. The garden and the home, um, the way that corner opens up just allows that flow through. And then to be able to take the air from the front and let it run all the way to the back rather than just being reliant on air conditioning constantly. I think that makes a massive difference to how the house lives. And um in that side of it, it's really special. It, well, it touches my sort of uh, sensibilities because it's it, it, it's in alignment with what we would do where I live in this climate zone in Australia. Uh, and interesting, Austin, Texas has uh, seven climate zones that match up with Australia. So that's one of the reasons I think yeah. it's such a great place to visit. Um, tell me about the, you know, the curtain wall at the back. And the challenges of having a, a basically a door, two sets of doors that open uh, on a 90 degree angle, but leave you with no post. But what it does is it, it allows the inside and the outside to blend so beautifully. Tell me about the challenges with that and the benefits of living with it. So, um, yeah, I wanted this connection with both floor and ceiling to be continuous from inside and out. Um, mm. And I narrowed in on this corner wall. So, um, you know, simple sliders open and open in the middle on a flat plane. I made it extra fun for the uh, window manufacturer by creating an L shape. And then just when it was challenging enough, I added on the fact that one side of the uh, system is has a sloped roof on it. Um, so the um, window manufacturer who actually has engineers on staff engineered essentially an arch using um, curtain wall system to support while it's open, eliminating that center post. And so the top transom portion of the unit becomes almost a, a truss um, that supports the, you know, the header of the window. Yeah. So we can open it up and, and see. So lots of uh, going back and forth between the window manufacturer and um, the contractor. 
And uh, in fact, they sent a team from the window manufacturer down to help install it. It took about a week to install. Um, so it, end result is, is beautiful. It looks very simple and easy. It's easy to use. Um, there was a lot of you know, thought and discussion behind how to install something like this. It, um, it is beautiful. And it, as you say, like it's a, a bit of an engineering feat as well as a design feat to get it to work. But it really does engage the backyard. Um, it, it, it means that when you're looking throughout there, it's just, it brings it all together. It brings it right into the home. It's beautiful. Yeah, a lot of, you know, often the challenge of these type of uh, multi-sliders is finding the track. And so this is just a simple, uh, easy rail that I can, uh, the tile installs right up to. So it real it fills, um, in the space and you're walking in and out that you don't know the difference or where that, you know, if you're inside or out, it just kind of opens to the outside and, and flows. Mm, mm. Creates that real blend of um, crossover. It's a, as I say, it's a great looking home. Um, how many bedrooms is it? Five. So it's a decent, it, it's a decent sized house as well. Like uh, for, for a small block, and um, beautiful open spaces. It's got enough amenity for a, a bunch of people, which is cool, really cool. Um, if I was being, if I was like coming along and which I probably will be, but coming along, tell me something about how you would want me to view the house. If you were guiding everybody through it, you personally, what would be the, the things that you would point out like quirky little things could be anything from a piece in the kitchen to whatever. I mean, there's the grand things that everybody will see. Take me down to some details that people might really appreciate. So I don't know if this is the question you're leading me to, but I do have a funny story. So this photo here, um, years ago, I had a, um, a fundraiser um, at my previous house. And um, it, you know, we were contacted, hey, can, you know, this person run in for office, uh, come to your house, there'll be about 40 people. Well, it ended up being about 120 and everyone was sweating because it was the middle of summer and I was just cranking down my AC unit and, and, and the house and we couldn't get it down. So in this house, I told my mechanical engineer, like, someday I might have another, you know, event, fundraiser event, whatever it will be. And it could be 100 people in the house. And so I need additional supplemental HVAC equipment. And so in this space here where I have this vaulted uh, or so sloped ceiling, there's they no may not, area. So when we're in the living area is where you talk about. Area, yeah. yeah. And so yeah. there's no space for ductwork. So I concealed behind this bookcase is the mechanical unit. So these shelves all slide out. And there's I concealed a little uh, HVAC unit here. And at the top of the here is the, the register. The grill. Fantastic. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those details that you know people come over and they're looking around and they're like, "Well, where's the AC unit? How do you get yeah? It where did where stuff? did you hide the AC? That's a really yeah, good so thing. I hid it behind the shelves. So when you're coming into the home, if you're looking out through the um, L-shaped doors to the backyard on your left hand side, you'll be able to see a great, fabulous bookcase, and with that, the AC units hidden inside there. I love that. I love that beautiful detailing. 
anything else special? Where, where would be the best viewpoint from the garden to see the house and really show off its mid-century styling? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Every, every space that for me, you know, like from sitting in the backyard, um, looking back at the house, um, enjoy this yeah. area back here in the very back, sitting, looking back towards the house. From, from the pool totally back in the corner. So I think yeah. that's a beautiful view as well. So if, if you're touring the home or when you're touring the home, take a walk out. And yeah, as Jed said, like the, the, the home and the landscape are kind of one. It's, uh, it's very blended to flow together. So make sure that you do spend some time in the garden, not just uh, hanging around inside the home. Go out and have a look back at it and take in the entire space. I think it's yes, really please. Cool. Yeah, that'd be really neat. Um, one last question. If you were to do it all again, what would you change? <laughs> <laughs> so always a, a, yeah, a hard question. I don't know. I um, haven't had any major moments where like, oh, I wish I could, you know, redo this space yeah. or that. Um, it's... Uh, I, I, I always think I that it, it's such a hard question that for the designer, because of the fact that you live in it and it's your own home, um, it's quite different from when you design a home for somebody else. Uh, you you know, like you you dig so much into what their needs will be and how you're going to deliver them and all the rest. But when you, you design something for yourself, it is so much harder, <laughs> so much harder than it is to design it for somebody else because uh, you've got to self-question yourself where it's far easier to question somebody else to find out their needs and, you know, and also what the, um, the site will allow. Um, but when, as I say, when you're in this industry and you design for yourself, everybody looks that much harder at what you did and didn't do and how it was done and, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's an additional challenge. I very much put priority on entertainment. So all the in, entertainment areas, living, kitchen, dining, et cetera, has, you know, there's ample space. There's a good amount of space in there. Um, for that reason, the, you know, some of the bedrooms and other rooms are smaller because I sacrificed that space. Sure. Up. And I wouldn't change that. So for you know, when I have family come in or, they, you know, they look like, oh, you should make your, you know, everyone wants to add some design um, opinion. So they'd be <laughs> like, oh, you should have a bigger laundry room or the guest bath should be larger and this and that. Um, but my footprint is my footprint. Like, you know, it's, it's I, I can't make it any larger. In, in Austin, we're very strict about our yep. previous cover, and et cetera. And so I put the priority on the entertainment space. And so I think that's um, a really good point, you know, Jed. I, I love it because in different people's homes, they would have different priorities. And yours, you put on entertainment. And that means, yeah, that you made the bedrooms a more modest size so that you had the other space. And often in a design brief, you know, somebody wants just big everything and their land doesn't allow them to have big everything. You know, there, there isn't the, the regulations don't allow it. And so having that balance and then finding out where the sensibilities are. Um, and again, this is the thing that 
somebody just walks through the home, I, I did love the fact that everybody has an opinion, um, but understanding the brief of the home and yeah. with, it, with you being your own client, it was entertaining. And then how do you do that privacy, the tree, and then how do you make it mid-century, uh, you know, feel whilst working in a different climate zone? Um, all these pieces come together to create the home. And there's so many more hidden layers than anybody understands um, just right off the bat. Yeah, it's very customized for me and my lifestyle, the way I like to entertain. And, and so I had a house on a previous tour and, you know, the, it's funny people coming in and it's like, oh, that closet in the, in the primary is like, it's, it has to be much bigger. There's no way that can work. It's like, well, all my clothes fit in there. They fit fine. It's customized. <laughs> for me, so. I have this thing that I love to talk to people about a hierarchy of needs and and budget and it works on exactly the same thing so you've got a finite amount of money and you've got a finite amount of space that we can work with so then where do you want that money to be spent to get you the biggest return and value for yourself and so that your home feels the way it needs to feel and uh, it, it would be fabulous to um, actually have your client brief being yourself as a handout for people so that they got a sense of this is this is what my uber demanding client asked for and wouldn't compromise on curtain walls of windows or doors that slid off from a you know without a post in the corner so they were a, they were a very difficult client to work with and then they wanted to be able to show everybody what they had as well because they love to entertain so. yeah well yeah it's for Myself and all the clients, we forget about all of the difficult decisions you make and, yeah. then, and, then, and you know, fighting for those special moments. And um, over the years, I've learned for both myself and my clients, like sometimes you have to fight for those moments. You have to have those, you know, that special glass door or the whatever, because those are the, the points that you'll enjoy and always, you know, use in your house. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Jed, that was fabulous. Thank you. And I look forward to walking through the home, Austin, in October, which would be great. great. Yeah. Enjoyed speaking with you and uh, appreciate your time as well. Cool, man. We'll talk again. All right. Great. Take care. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, if it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking, say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you. It's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of them, someone and then they went to reach out and then you, you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. 
And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.